I have the opportunity to, to share with you this morning, and it's, it's probably something of a slightly different preach. It's something that God um, started speaking to me about, if I'm honest with you, towards the beginning of the year, um, but then just re- got me to revisit something of that more recently, more more recently, as in even this past week, friends, um, I had the opportunity of traveling to Ghana. And it's a great place, friends. I've, I've obviously never been there before, never been to West Africa. Um, and so got to have very many good experiences. Um, the people there are incredible people, honestly. They, uh, I, 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 I said to so many people since being back is the empathy that people have for one another there it is so real, it is so evident, the empathy that people carry for one another, just the love and the care that people show. They, you might not have much, but yet you help. And it is very, very evident, friends. A beautiful country, incredible, um, uh, just incredible plants. I, I love trees. Um, you know, I sent multiple pictures of trees back to my family because the trees there are just, they, firstly, they're so big and they're so beautiful. Um, beautiful, incredible culture, incredible food, some really dodgy food as well, but, but some really great food, friends. And it was overall a very good experience. As I was traveling back earlier this week um, on Tuesday afternoon and then into Tuesday evening because it's not advisable to travel after hours, um, so I had to get to the airport while the sun was still up, um, and our flight got delayed, and so we only left at like quarter to one or something ridiculous the next morning. And so we had a couple of hours, it was at least five hours that we had to sit, and there's only so much coffee you can drink in five hours. Um, and so I got to just, I suppose, muse, think about this experience and what I felt God took me there for, what I felt God was saying, and what was I feeling coming away from there. And as I said, a lot had a good story. A lot had a good story. But if I'm honest with you, I came away with some mixed emotions. I came away conflicted, friends. Because the one story that was not a good story, and I dare say it's probably not for everybody, so I don't want to be, you know, use the brush and tar every organization under this. But the common testimony, friends, when I asked about, well, how's the local church doing in Ghana, was not a good story at all. There were many bad and many sad stories The common comment, friends, was church in Ghana is big business. And I thought to myself, you know, I've heard the church describe many things before, but I've never heard the church described as a business. And so I had some conversations with certain folk around that and said, well, help me understand what does it mean when you say the church is a big business in Ghana? And they, they, they got to share with me some of the stories and the experiences, friends. It is not a good story. And I don't want to harp on that. Other than to say, friends, I came away conflicted because the church to a certain extent, and like I said, it is probably unfair to say this on behalf of all churches represented in Ghana, but by and large, friends, the, Ghana, the, the church in Ghana has lost its integrity. 
it has lost its authenticity. It is no longer authentic. It is no longer real. And I came away, friends, conflicted because my heart was sad. There was so much good that was experienced, but equally so much sad that was experienced at the same time, friends. This morning, I want to speak about what does it mean to be an authentic Christian? What does it mean, friends, to be an authentic follower of Jesus? As someone rightfully reminded me, is when people ask you, what, are you a Christian? We can be so blasé and say, yes. But actually, what we need to be saying, friends, is we are followers of Jesus. What does it mean to be an authentic follower of Jesus? Because as I was working through, friends, some of these questions, and then turning the spotlight around onto my own life, and asking, well, Quinton, how authentic are you? Because you see, if I'm vulnerable, and if I'm honest with you, friends, I was wanting to jump up on some moral high ground and speak about the church in Ghana when Jesus clearly tells us, he who is without sin, let him be the first to cast a stone. And I realized there is no moral high ground. Actually, there are areas in my life where I need to be a little bit more authentic. And so as I asked God to work that through in my life, friends, I felt God speak to me about holiness. Now, God started speaking to me about holiness towards the beginning of this year, just around one or two things. But what I'd like, love to share with you is a journey that I'm on, challenges that I'm feeling, and hopefully through my story, challenge you this morning. Because you see, friends, what I'm beginning to, well, what I'm being reminded of is that an authentic king, this is, I always like to jot down at the beginning of my sermon, what is the big idea? What do I want people to leave with? If anything, forget the three Ps possibly even the scriptures, but leave with this big idea. And the idea that I would love, friends, for us to leave with this morning is that an authentic king with an authentic kingdom. You see, Jesus, there, he was, friends, true authenticity. There was nothing that was fake. There was nothing that was false about Jesus. He was authentic. And the kingdom that he spoke about was and is authentic. And so an authentic king with an authentic kingdom, friends, I wrote down here in my notes, requires authentic followers. But then I scratched out requires and I put in something that's a little bit stronger. An authentic king and an authentic kingdom demands that we as followers, friends, are those that are authentic as well. It demands. You see, the testimony that you and I carry, friends, is powerful when we are authentic. 
the church, I believe, friends, that the world is desperately searching for is not a church that carries the bling or the rattle and the roll. It's not a church, friends, that pops and fizzes. But it's the church that is authentic. Authentic in its understanding. Authentic in its outworking of that understanding. And authentic, friends, to who it, is call, who it believes it is called to be. And so I want to pray this morning. Well, I, I do want to pray this morning. But I want to share this morning, friends, about the mark of a true, authentic Christian. And the mark is a holy life. So let's pray. And then we're going to look at a couple of things. So, Father, I thank you for your word this morning. There's two things I would like to pray. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that Hebrews 4 says that your word is living and active. And so I pray this morning that your word in our lives and in our hearts, both corporately and individually, but probably more so this morning individually, would be that two-edged sword. That it would be that surgeon scalpel this morning that goes to work. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be the gracious, kind, compassionate revealer of God's word. And then I pray that we would respond well this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful friends. So grab your Bibles if you have a Bible or your, uh, your, your device or whatever you've got. We're going we're gonna to read 1 Peter 1 verse 13 to 1 Peter 2 verse 11. Um, it is a chunky passage of Scripture, and so I'm going to read it through quite quickly because I don't want it obviously to take up too, well, yeah, don't want to take up too much time. So let's read quickly. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. If you have a Bible or if you have a, a device, you'll notice that the heading of what we are reading is a heading, a call to holy living. So think clearly, Peter writes, and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Am I coming through a little bit loudly? Sorry. Can, we, can you turn us down a little bit, please, if you don't mind? Thank you, Chris. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. If I can just pause there, friends, a lady came to me between services and she mentioned to me that, you know, whenever she read that scripture beforehand, it put her under such condemnation. We have an understanding that God is holy, right? But how on earth are we called to be holy when we know how sinful we are? And her position was often, Lord, I cannot do this. Yes, I understand you are holy, but how on earth? earth am I to be holy like you are holy and she says she felt God arrest her one day stop her and say I will never ask you to do something that you are not able to fulfill and just for her in that moment it just gave her such freedom 
took the weight of a statement like this off her life where she could then begin to walk in an understanding and a journey of what that meant. Verse 17 says, And remember the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. (laughs) He will judge or reward you according to what you do. In other words, there are not those that are called to be holy and others that are allowed to be muchus. We are all called, friends, to be holy. God has no favorites. The standard applies equally to all of us. So you must be reverent. You must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him, Jesus, great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to all, to each other, sorry, as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal, living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2, verse 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit. Be done with all hypocrisy. Be done with all jealousy and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Do you notice, friends, that it's, it's the language there is speaking about progression. There is a progression that as we have been ransomed, as we have tasted of the Lord's kindness, friends, it tells us then that we get to then from that point progress in terms of our journey and our relationship with God. Living Stones, verse 4, it says, You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, are the, and you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through whom the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You're a chosen people. 
You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show the others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Therefore, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And so we see, friends, quite clearly the emphatic call the context within which the call is made to be those that are holy, called out. And so the question that I would love to just clarify is, what does it mean to be holy? Well, friends, simply put, to be holy is to be set apart, is to be consecrated to God both in your life and in the way you live your life. To be a follower of God's ways and not a follower of the world's ways. Simply put, friends, for those that are a chosen, set apart, consecrated to God people, we are not to be those that have a foot in the kingdom and a foot in the world. We are not. We are those, friends, that are called to be completely, totally set apart and consecrated to God. So where does this start? Because it sounds like a whole lot of work. Well, let me remind us, friends, that there is a whole lot of work. But that that work initially was done by the Lord Jesus The communion that we celebrated this morning is a remembrance, friends, of the cross and the work that Jesus did in going to the cross, the work that Jesus did in dying on the cross, so that we, friends, no longer need to be those that need to work for our holiness. We will have a look a little bit later that we, we are called to outwork our holiness. But we are not called, friends, to work for holiness because Jesus already accomplished that on the cross for us. Acts 4 verse 1, it says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is only one name, friends. It is the name of Jesus. It is not my name. I am not holy because of my name. You are not holy, sorry to disappoint you, because of your name. We are not holy, friends, because of family ties that we may or may not have. Because we are relationally connected to to. I won't use a name because maybe there's a name here, but (laughs) 
We are not connected, friends. Our holiness does not flow through a family relation. If you are part of a family that is considered to be holy, understand, friends, that you are not holy because of that connection. They are not holy because of that. There is only one way, friends, in which we can be those that are holy. It is by inviting Jesus into your life as Savior and then outworking Him as Lord in our lives. It is not by the church's name. There is no church, friends, that will be able to impute holiness onto you. There are great churches, but they will fail dismally if they think, friends, that because there are those that attend the devotees of whichever church, they are now deemed holy because they attend that church. It does not exist. We are not holy, friends, because we do good deeds or live a good life. Oh, I think I'll get into heaven one day because you know what? I'm not such a bad person. I actually live a good life. No. Reality check. I don't want to be harsh. But Jesus is going to ask one question. One question. Do you know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? It is not money. It is not good deeds. There is nothing, friends. Holiness starts with Jesus initially. He is the only one that makes you and I holy because of the cross. But it doesn't end with Jesus. You see, friends, we go to Jesus to be made holy. But then we outwork holiness in our lives. Let me say it a different way. We go to Jesus to find him as Savior. And if you are a child of God here this morning, there is a day, there is a time, there is a prayer that you prayed where you found Jesus as your Savior. And from that moment on up until now, you are now outworking Jesus as your Lord. We find him as Savior, and our journey together with him is now making him Lord. In the same way, friends, we go to Jesus. He makes us holy. But then we journey with him, friends, in terms of outworking holiness in our lives. It starts with Jesus it continues with us. 1 Peter 1, 14 to 16. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. He wouldn't be saying that, friends, if we had the choice to be disobedient. But the person that we know who is God gives us choice. And so the encouragement that Peter says or exhorts us to is to live as those that are being obedient. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you do. So be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you, chose you as holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy, friends. Every decision you make is a choice. Duh, Quentin, yes, it sounds right. But what is two, three, or four, or five layers deep, friends, 
is what is undergirding, what is underpinning the decision you're making is a choice of are you following God's ways or not? Because it will reveal itself in the nature and the type of decision you are making. And so as we get to choose God, as we get to choose His ways, friends, the outworking of holiness is happening in our lives. So what I'd love to do quickly this morning then is I'd love to answer the question then, if there is a call to holy living, how do I answer that call in my life? What do I do and how do I respond? There's five or six things that I've jotted down here this morning. As usual, I dare say there are a whole lot more if you if you. One to two, you could probably add to that in terms of what you read in God's Word. But I just want to share these five or six things with you. Key number one, in terms of how do I answer the call, key number one is this, pursue Jesus, not morality. Pursue Jesus, not morality. What am I speaking to? I'm speaking to the priorities, friends. You see, so often we are led to understand that if we pursue a good life, if we do good things, if we have good deeds, those good deeds will lead us to Jesus, will lead us to the freedom, will lead us to the blessing and the abundant life that we hear John 10 speak about. Friends, I want to throw the spanner in the works and so the cart is before the horse we pursue Jesus friends and as we make him our quest as we make a relationship with him our priority the morality the good deeds the good life flows friends from a place of pursuing Jesus Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, seek first. Seek first. If you give me license, Jesus didn't say, after you have done all the good deeds and ticked all the moral boxes, after you have obeyed everything, after you have done the good work, then come and seek me. No, Jesus said, seek first. Who is the first that we seek, friends? Johan? Who is the first? It's Jesus. Seek first the king. Seek first the kingdom, friends. And all these other things, whatever else you want to put lump under that bracket will flow from seeking, seeking first the king that is Jesus, friends. Two or three weeks ago when I had the opportunity and the pleasure to preach here, I, 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 I reminded us when Jesus called his apostles, when he called his disciples, what was the invitation or what was the instruction that he gave them? It wasn't go sort your life out, you horrible sinner. I see this in your life. I see that in your life. I see that in your life. Go and sort yourself out. Get yourself clean and then come back and we can talk. 
Or he didn't say, go and study. Go and gain an understanding. You don't understand this thing I'm calling you to, so you better go and get educated. No. I'm being facetious here, friends. Jesus said, come follow me. Come follow me. He says, I will make you. The following implies, friends, that there is a first. The following implies, friends, that even though we may not be ready by our own standards or even maybe the standards of the church, that Jesus looks at you and I and says, pursue me. I am the start. And if you do that well, the end will be good. We need to pursue Jesus, friends. Make him our pursuit. Key number two, make holiness your purpose. Make Jesus your pursuit. Make holiness your purpose, friends. 1 Peter 1 verse 15 to 16. It says, what does it say? But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy, friends. There is a purpose that is being communicated there. Into life, into every context that your life is outworking itself in, whether that's in the job, whether that's at school, whether that's as a parent, whether that's as a husband or a wife or in anything. The context that is happening there, the purpose, the greater purpose that God has for you that flows into everything is your call to be holy. So behave as someone who is holy in these areas of your life. Something, friends, that I'm trying to be ruthlessly obedient in my life. And is it easy? No. But is it necessary? Yes. Because he said, because I am holy, you too are called to be holy. Key number three, we need to obey the word of God. The word of God is the highest authority. It is the standard. It is the measure, friends. We don't get to weigh, dilute down. We don't get to exclude the verses that we don't like or add to the verses that aren't comfortable. We obey the full word of God, friends. It is the standard. It is the measure. It's not up for debate. It is the infallible, holy word of God. Key number two. Don't resist the Holy Spirit, but partner with the Holy Spirit when it comes to outworking holiness in your life, friends. Don't resist the Holy Spirit, but partner with the Holy Spirit. We have just been through, friends, a series of going deeper in our, in our, oh, not experience, in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I trust amongst many things that we would have realized that it requires a real partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's not Holy Spirit, you do your thing and then bring it to me when it's done. No, it is something, it's an invitation that is extended when he says, come keep in step with me and let's outwork holiness in your life. Let's outwork what it means to know Jesus as the Lord of your life. 
So the encouragement, friends, is don't resist the Holy Spirit when that happens. You see, John 16, verse 8, it tells us when he comes, being the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin. I just want to pause there. I want to say, friends, when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't come to judge you. He does not come to condemn you. He comes to convict the world of its sin. How does he do that? He takes, friends, the Bible. He takes God's truth and he brings it alongside your life, your experience, your position. And he goes, now let's talk about this. How does what you are doing, how is, how, how is what you are saying, how is what you are feeling measure up to my standard? To God's standard. In effect, what he is doing, friends, is he's present, presenting you with a decision. And the decision is, yes, I see that there is alignment, or I see that there is misalignment. And the implied question is, well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? If, it? if there is alignment, well, then we go from strength to strength. If there is misalignment in terms of what I take an example, what I see in my parenting to what the God, God's word says about my parenting, and there is misalignment in that, I am faced with a choice. I either choose to align or I choose to continue misaligned. God says that the Holy Spirit will come and convict, present you and I with an opportunity to choose. In that moment, my encouragement is partner, partner, don't resist. Key number five make your quest improvement and not perfection. In terms of outworking holiness in your life, friends, make your quest the purpose, improvement, and not perfection. You see, there is only one person that ever worked, walked this planet, friends, both going backwards in history and looking forward into the future. There, were, there has been and always only will be a single person amongst the billions of people that are currently on planet Earth and those that are, have been and those that will still be. And that person is Jesus Christ. And so if our position is, well, only when we are perfect. Logic will tell you, well, then you will never, never begin the journey. Pursue improvement. Pursue improvement. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 to chapter 4 verse 1 says around the subject. It says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, when you come to salvation, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord, the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had their veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, once again, please take note of the language, that implies progression, that there is a journey. 
And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him. Friends, if it meant that we came to salvation and the job was done and dusted right there and we went to heaven, scriptures like that would never be written in the Word of God. It would say, as you come to Him and the veil is removed, you are immediately up to heaven and you meet God. But it's not saying that, friends. It is saying that on, we are left here on earth to journey, to become more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious, inher- his glorious image. Sorry. So it is both an event that is happening and an event that is outworking itself in our lives. Jesus, Savior, Jesus, Lord. I love what Paul goes on to say then in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we are those that never give up. Pursue improvement, not perfection, friends. And then lastly, in terms of outworking holiness, Love is both God's motivator and love becomes our motivator, friends. Because God loves us, he chose to never give up on you and I. Because God loves us, he is fully committed, friends, to both begin and complete his journey in our lives. He will not leave us as he found us. But we are also motivated, friends. We are energized. We are encouraged because of our love for him. I trust that together with me, this would be true of you. Because we love him, we will choose not to stay the same. So friends, I, you know, in, in working this through in my life and continuing to work this through in my life, the question that I continually ask myself is, well, how do I respond? How do I respond? So I'd ask you to close your eyes. And I'd ask you to ask that same question if through what has been shared this morning, you are aware, have become aware of an area of your life, friends, where holiness needs to be outworked. Probably a little bit better maybe than what it is at the moment. Holy Spirit comes to you Not with judgment, not with condemnation. That is not his role. But he comes to you with conviction this morning, as he does to me. And he gives me an opportunity to choose. And so I would ask quickly, maybe as there is some things that even right now God is speaking to you about, 
that you would make those decisions that are tipping points in our lives. And so, Father, I thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that it says it's your kindness that leads us to salvation. And I thank you, Lord, that we would not be here because we all needed and continue to need your kindness. Thank you for your compassion and your mercy. Help us, Holy Spirit. We choose right now to partner with the infallible Holy Word of God and to partner with the Holy Spirit this morning. Work in us, Lord, as we begin to release and surrender. Work through us, Lord, as obedience becomes the way we live. We thank you. We love you. Be with us, Father. Keep us safe. Protect our hearts. Protect our minds. Protect our physical person, Lord. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name.